0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. My wife and I, uh, Jamie, she's over there, and um, we are super excited to be here with you guys. Uh, We attended, I think it was your third or second, uh, I think it was like a party, startup party maybe. We call it startup party. It's just a once-a-month event that we do in the community to kind of just love in our city, love in our community. And we attended one of your events in a local park uh, here in uh, Yuba City. And I got to meet a couple of you guys and kind of connected uh, with some of you that uh, I met with you uh, couple months ago when you guys had that party. And so we're really excited to kind of see a, a City Walk Church kind of come to fruition. We've kind of been watching over the fence, kind of keeping an eye on and and you guys, see how things are coming. And so we're super excited uh, that you launched and that you're doing well. You're still here, right? That's awesome. Um, a lot of churches don't make it far. And so uh, past this point. And so we're super excited to have you guys here and uh, for us to be here to kind of share this moment with you as well and just to kind of uh, serve you in this way. And so we're thankful to be here this morning and I hope you uh, will enjoy yourself to kind of get into the message here as well. Um, and so we're just going to jump into it, kind of get a little bit of background on what's going to happen uh, for, for uh, continued part five of the hero series uh, here. So I'm going to talk about David today. Anybody heard of King David? Heard of him? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be shy. Yeah, King David. And so we're going to talk a little bit about his story today. I'm going to walk you through a narrative about King David, uh, and that's going to be our sermon uh, for today. And so uh, let's kind of jump into it. Okay, let's pray. Is that cool? Can I pray? Is that okay? Okay, let's do it. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity uh, we have uh, to learn from you, to hear from your word. And I just pray for this morning, for the next 30 minutes, that we would kind of just engage and dive into the scriptures and learn something that could revolutionize our life, our marriages our relationships with our, our spouse, our kids, with the people around us, so that we can see uh, a difference made in here in the city of Yuba City. And We just thank you, God, for what you're doing with this new church. God, I pray that you continue to bless it. Be with Pastor Chris as he's out. Uh, just uh, give him some uh, recruiting recoup- and, and uh, recovering and just have a time of relaxation with his family and his wife and bring him back safely uh, here uh, to City Walk Church. Thank you for this time. Be with us now as we get into the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. So my wife and I, are uh, we moved here from Las Vegas. Anybody ever been to Las Vegas? I won't tell you. You can raise your hand. <laughs> right? So we moved here from Las Vegas uh, in October, just a couple months we've been here, and uh, getting ready to start Storyline Church. And so when we got here, we moved to Alameda. Uh, Alameda is like a smaller island in, in the East Bay, and that's the first place we landed was in Alameda. We kind of moved that eventually to uh, Oakland area, but we landed in Al- Alameda. And uh, we're staying at this house, okay? It wasn't ours. We're renting it. And uh, it's a really nice house. We got there. Everything was furnished. Didn't have to worry about anything. As a matter of fact, we didn't bring much stuff with us. There was already TV. There was already a couch. There was already two beds. There was was three rooms. It was all filled. Uh, There was carpet. There was everything. There was rug. There was everything you could ever think of to move into your house. Man, it was already well furnished for us to move in. So we just kind of moved in with our luggage, kind of unloaded everything. It was like this already felt like home for us. So we got to Alameda, moved in. Everything was great and uh, my neighbor underneath me, his name is James, James Westbrook. He's a good guy, good friend of mine. Uh, He's actually starting a church as well, and so uh, James and I connected. We're really good friends, and uh, James is from Kentucky. I'm from Vegas, okay? I'm a city boy, so uh, enough said, okay? Uh, James is from Kentucky. He tells me that he's good with his hands, and so I just kept that in mind because I'm not good with my hands, and so been in the house for about two, three months now, and uh, when we first got there, again, everything was nice, it was perfect, but in the bathroom, in the um, shower, there is kind of like a drop from the, the, the knob, it just kept dropping, and it, it started slow, just a small leak, just a drop, and as as time went on, it started to drop even more, dripping more and more and more, just doop, doop, just hurt, doop. It just kept dripping, And then time after time, it actually started to pour out. And I was like, man, I, can't, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. I looked at Jamie. She was like, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. We're both from the city. And so I said, I got, James, he told me he was good with his hands. I think you know where I'm going with this. And so I went downstairs, I said, hey, James, I have a problem. Uh, we moved in, there was a leak in our shower. Do you mind coming up and helping us fix it? He's like, sure, do you have any tools? I said, no, I don't have any tools. I'm counting on you, you have that. So he said, yeah, for sure. He comes upstairs and brings up his tools with him. He has like a, a, tool, ba- a tool bag, I've never seen one before. <laughs> and he brings it up with him to the to, to shower. He's like, okay, there's a little bit of drip. We'll fix it, we'll take care of it. Uh, so James, uh, I go out and tell my wife, hey, there's a drip. James is going to take care of it. She's in the kitchen. I think she's like doing dishes or something like that. And um, I said, He's going to take care of it. We're going to be done here in about 15, 20 minutes. We'll, it'll, it'll be all over. And so James goes inside. He, he takes out some of his tools. I'm not even trying to name what the tools are because I don't know what they are. He takes some of them out and he starts to kind of make some adjustments with uh, the, uh, uh, the knob. And eventually, like, it just, it's just, he's tightening it up more and more. That's what we found out eventually. He's tightening it up more and more. And he's trying to fix the knob to kind of maybe tighten it up and the water would stop dripping from the knob. And, he tightens it up. He tightens it up, and that thing's just cranking, man. It's just cranking. He's going on for like five minutes, just cranking it up. And eventually, that knob just spats out, and water comes shooting out in, 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 our, in our bathtub. And water's shooting out and hitting the back of, of, of the bathtub, and it's just water's everywhere. It's spilling. Eventually, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? This house is flooded. This is not my house. Uh, I have to, I have to pay for all this stuff. And the water starts to rise in the tub. Okay, it's rising. I'm thinking he's going to fix it. Nope. It just, keep, the water keeps coming up. He, he tries to put some stuff, some cloth over the, 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 the knob to kind of stop the water from, from coming out. It's not, it, it shoots out, hitting the back of the tub. I'm like, oh my gosh, I go downstairs. I'm trying to find like a bucket or something because the water's starting to build up in the tub. And I'm like, James, what are we going to do? The water's coming out. It's going to spill out. He's like, it's fine. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. And I go downstairs, I get like a bucket, I come, I come upstairs, and I get inside of the tub, and I'm dumping, I'm scooping the water and dumping it into the sink, and I'm just scooping water, just dumping it into the sink, scooping water and dumping it into the sink, and at this point, I am regretting this decision to allow James to come upstairs to fix this small problem that I had, and I'm just freaking out. Meanwhile, my wife is in the kitchen, and she's like, is everything Okay. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We'll take care of it. Nope, it's, it's a disaster. The water's, at this point, water's coming out of the tub, and it's flowing. It's flowing into our bathroom. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> Eventually, I just said, you know what, let's just call the fire department. This big fire truck comes out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Hey, I just, hey, I'm from Las Vegas. I don't know what I'm doing. And he comes upstairs, and he, you guys didn't turn off the, um, what is it called? Like the, yeah, the water valve. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we didn't do that. <sighs> and he just walks up, turns it off, and says, all right, see you later, bye. And we could have just solved our problem with just that little issue. You know, I told myself, do it yourself, I told myself, right? DIY, right? It's literally the definition of fixing something yourself without any experts or help at all. And I regretted that decision. The narrative that we're about to jump in here, David makes a decision that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. As a a matter of fact, what we're going to learn is that the ways of God is following the ways of God. What happens is that when we follow the ways of God, it becomes uh, less appealing and irrelevant, right, following the ways of God when we are angry, angry, isolated, and afraid. If I ask you, when your worst decisions that you've made, you stand up here and say, hey, the worst decision I've ever made is because I was in a place where I was angry, isolated, or afraid, right? Because the ways of God, following the ways of God, whatever it is for you, defining how you follow God, the ways of God become less irrelevant and unappealing when we make a decision from a place where it's angry, isolated, or we're afraid. And David makes a decision in a time or place when he's angry, he's afraid, and he's isolated. And oftentimes what happens is that we feel compelled to just do something, Right? Because we're, we're in that place. We want to solve the, the situation. We want to solve the circumstance. We want to solve the, the emotion that we're feeling of this fear. And so what we do, we just, we just want to do something. We just want to, and what happens is we're just going to do anything. Right? Just something. And sometimes what happens is that we resort to just doing anything. Whatever our past experience was or whatever our parents have done or whatever we're used to, we just come back to the place of just, hey, we're just going to do something, just do anything. And so what often happens, though, is When we do anything, we end up making a decision that we regret for the rest of our lives. And David, David is in a place where he makes a decision that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. So here's the story. Back to David. David, he literally, he's been catapulted into fame, right? He slayed the giant, Goliath, and now David is, 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 is written hip-hop songs about David, right? David has slain his, his, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his tens of thousands. And, and so there's songs and, and, and music have been made about David, and David is this famous warrior in all of Israel, in the nation of Israel. Everybody knows David from, from the streets to the palace. Everybody knows who David is. And so Saul, Saul King Saul at the time, realizes that, man, this guy's becoming extremely popular. So what he tries to do, he tries to control his fame and control David. So what he do, what he did was he, he tries to marry David into his family. So he offered his, his daughter a hand of marriage. And David, being an honorable man, he didn't come from a home that was very affluent. And so he realized, you know what, you know what I just feel I'm not worthy enough. I'm not comfortable, I'm not worthy enough to, to do that. And so he refuses, he refuses her hand of marriage. And everybody... Like, whoa, David, oh, my gosh, he's such a humble guy. He's awesome. This guy, he refused the king's daughter hand of marriage. He's just amazing, he's just, amazing. He's just a humble, amazing person, human being. And his popularity grows even more. And so David eventually becomes friends with with, with, with Saul's son, who's Jonathan. We're going to call him John for short. And he becomes friends with John. It's his his besties greatest friend. He loves him like he loves himself. And eventually what happens is that David falls in love. He falls in love with John's sister. Her name's Michael. And he gets married. And now he's in the family. And Saul's like, man, this guy is becoming so popular. I can't even control him. And so what Saul does, what Saul does, is that he tries to take care of David himself. He, he, said, he, said, he, said, he says, actually, you know what, I'm going to send you to war. And he sends David on these impossible missions to fight the Philistines. And so hoping that the Philistines will take care of David. And so David goes on these impossible wars. And eventually, David comes back alive, strong, popular, even more prominent and well-known than he's ever been known. And one night, Saul is having dinner with his family, and he's inviting David to have dinner. And everybody's there, right? And you don't refuse to have dinner with the king. To sit at the king's table is an honor. That's what you, you take that as a privilege. And so David, David doesn't show up. And so his bestie, John, covers for him. He says, oh, he's probably in battle. He's doing a mission. He's not here. He can't be with us today. And so everybody is at the table and David's not there, and this is kind of where we pick up this story. Here's what it says. It says, and Saul loses. And Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, he said, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, you. Whew. That's kind of strong, right? I, my, my first thought is, I hope, I hope that woman wasn't at the table when he said that. You, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, you. I'm like. That's, that's kind of strong, Saul. You said it to your own son. And it's what he says next. He says, "Don't I know? Don't I know that you sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame? Right? This is uh, th- th- that's natural. I mean, Saul's the first king, and he wants his son to become the next line and the next king. Says, he says, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame? All of you here at this table, you sided with David to your own shame. And is she here? Or is she here the shame of the mother who you bore? Who, who bore you? And he's just railing and just loses it at the table with his son, John, and the whole family. And again, he covers for him. And look what happens next. He says, as long... As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, this is really the issue, guys. Neither you you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Saul wants his son to become next in line, right? That's the real issue. That's why Saul is so angry. And he says, now send me someone, bring him to me, for he must die. For he must die. And so John... Leaves the table and he finds David and he says, "David, look, man, it's it's really bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, um, it, you need to leave town. Actually, in fact, it's worse than that. You need to leave the country." And so David says. I mean, could you imagine in that moment, he has to leave the country because Saul's, he's not going to stop, right? And so John says to David, look, you and I know both, and my father's not going to stop. He's not going to stop until you are, he's not going to rest until you're arrested, until, until you're dead. And so David has to flee the country. And all of a sudden, David, 22 years old, and he finds himself In a place where he's angry, and he's afraid, and he's abandoned, and he's isolated. He's abandoned, angry, and afraid. And he does what any one of us would do. When we're abandoned, angry, and afraid, he panics and is getting ready to make a decision that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. Come on, right? You've been there. We've all been to those places where we've made those decisions that we've regret for the rest of our life right we, We've all been in those places where, where, where man I, I shouldn't have done that like why did I do that? like why did I do that? Like uh, should, should I have really like why did I call her why did I text him back? Why did I spend that money? Why did I borrow that money right Why did I open that credit card? Why did I say this to her? Why did I let him go? And we all have been in those places where, where we feel angry or abandoned or maybe all three you're afraid and then and, and you start to panic and you make a decision and we make a decision and you end up regretting it for the rest of your life. And David's story, our hero, he is remarkable from beginning to the end. His story is remarkable. It's, it's fascinating, but he makes a decision in the middle of his story that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. And so today, I just want to be able to help us understand that, man, when we're in those, that place of panic, to never make a decision out of anger or, or afraid or we feel isolated or alone or abandoned, this is what happens next. David went to Nob. Okay, so... Nob uh, at this time is, is a surrounding city in, in, in Israel. So Israel doesn't, uh, it doesn't have a capital city at the time in this in point of history. And so it doesn't own all of the surrounding cities nearby. And so Nob is one of the safest cities uh, or safest part of the region in, in Israel. And so uh, David goes to Nob. And so in, 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 in the city of Nob, there is uh, the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, the Ten Commandments and, and, and the tabernacle where they set up to worship God it was considered the safest place. So, so people would, 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 would take the commandments and the high priest would take the commandments and they would move it around to the safest part of the city uh, during the time of Israel. And so they took it to Nob and so David knew that the safest place to go in this region was, was, was to the city of Nob and so David goes to Nob and this is where Ahimelech the priest is. So David shows up he's with Ahimelech the priest and Ahimelech trembles when he met him and he asked why are you alone and why is no one with you so david shows up to to the city of nob to ahimelech's place and he says he shows up and, and he doesn't hear him coming look right if david's traveling if david's traveling you know he's coming because he is one of the famous, he's the well-known uh, a warrior, and he travels. When he travels, he travels with thousands of men, right? You've seen the movies. You've seen the TV shows, right? Uh, a, a man of battle, he travels with thousands of people. There's food. There's, there's chariots. There's people. There's, there's all these warriors with him, and you can hear him coming from a mile away. And so Ahimelech uh, like, trembles when he, meets, when he meets David and asks him, why are you alone? And why is no one with you? thought that was kind of strange for David. David, you're here, but I don't see anybody with you, David. And this is what David answers the the priest. David, David, he lies. He tells a bold-faced lie. Actually, this is what he says to him. David answered Ahimelech the priest. The king, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. Shh, shh, shh. It's a, it's a top, It's a top secret. But no, one's, no, no one's to know. The king sent me on a top secret mission. <coughs> and no one's to know, excuse me, no one's to know the mission that I'm on. As for my men... I've told him to meet me at a certain place. Yeah, David, sure. Yeah, good one, David. Yeah, a certain place. As for my man, I've told him to meet me at a certain place. He's just covering for himself. He's telling a lie, so he's covering for himself. Because he knows if he tells the truth, he thinks, if he tells the truth, then Ahimelech, the priest, will not extend a helping hand. Ahimelech won't help him. And so he tells the slice, "As My men is at a certain place. He says, Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. David, whoa, David, you're, you're, you, you come here and you're all alone. There's nobody with you. You have no food, no water. And you're, you're asking for, help. David. This is kind of, this is a little, David, this is not like, this is acting a little bit out of your character, David. I mean, you, you don't have any food or, or water. like. And this is Ahimelech's response to David. He says, but the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here. So, 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 so what, what typically happens is that Ahimelech he says, look, David, David, um, we're the, the king's high priest. Uh, we don't have bread here. And so what they would do, uh, the priests, they would set out, this is just kind of weird for us, strange, we don't think about it this way, but this is what they did to honor God. They would bake fresh bread and offer it on the altar as an offering to God. And they would come back the following morning, and lo and behold, the first bread was still there. And so what they would do is, I mean, how many times did they have to do it to figure that out, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, David sh- shows up and he says, he says look, there's no we don't, we don't have any ordinary bread here. So they take this bread and the, the priest would take the bread. They would keep it and they would eat it. Uh, but to eat the bread, you have to be considered ceremonially cleansed. And so David said, hey, what do you have in, ha- what do you have in hand? Do you, do you have any food? Do you have any water? Do you have any bread? And so Ahimelech says, look, David, uh, we're the king's high priest. We don't have any normal food here, but we have this consecrated bread. And so Ahimelech gives David the bread. And now David not only lies about why he's here, he also lies to be fed. And if you know anything about David, what he's doing is outside of his character. It's not... But you know what happens, you know what happens when we act us out of our character, it's because what often happens is that we act out of a place where we're angry, or abandoned, and afraid. And here's our hero, David. David, the man who slew uh, Goliath with just a couple stones and a sling, David, the man that was anointed to be king and for 16 years had persevered, had waited, has done everything right up until this moment. David, the man that stood there before Goliath and said, who is this man? Who is this this Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? This David, this David who who, who looked Goliath in the eye with just a couple stones and a sling and he stood toe to toe to Goliath in his face and he says, look, by this day will all the nations know that you, Goliath, Fall. What happened to that, David? I'll tell you what happened. He was angry, he was abandoned, he was afraid. And he's about to make a decision that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. So, the story continues. And in this moment, I'm really hoping that God's going to speak to you Something that you're just gonna, it's gonna resonate, it's gonna take with you. And this, this is about to get really dramatic. It's about to become very intense for David. David asked Ahimelech, like, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? Okay, David, David, you show up, you're all alone. You have no men with you. You look like you haven't slept in days. You have no food, no water. And you don't even have a weapon? And you're on a secret mission that the king has sent you on? He says, I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was so urgent. Dave, David, you're here and and this is just, David, I mean, you're acting out of character. David, this is not who you are. David, you're the man that, that we all so love and admire and you're here on a secret mission that, that nobody else knows about and your men are hiding around the corner at some secret place. David, David, this is out of care. This is not who you are, David. And this right here for him like, is a big clue, realizing look, you're the, war, you're the most famous warrior in the nation. And you show up by yourself and no one with you. And what's about to happen next is is amazing. This is when like the background music should cue and David should stop in his tracks and it should be one of those like aha moments. Like, what am I thinking? How did I get here? The priest replied, the sword of Goliath. The Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. Whew. David is standing there before the priest and he's making this decision that he's about to regret for the rest of his life. And the priest says, look, hey, David, we don't have anything. The sort of Goliath that you have is here. And could you just imagine the, what's happening in his mind? It does isn't in his heart yet, but it's, it's in his mind. He's realizing, man, what's going on? This is the moment that David should pause and stop and realize, look, look, how did I get to this place? What did I do to get here? What am I thinking? I should probably turn around. I should probably pivot another direction. And it's so easy for us, right? We have the 90,000-foot view, and we can look at David and question, David, what are you doing? It's so easy to see this in somebody else. Like some of you, some some of us in here, we have friends and family that are making decisions that we know it's not good for them. It's just gonna make everything more complicated, and we can kind of see. It's like, no, if you do that, I'm telling you, that's not. It's just gonna complicate things even more. And it's so easy to see this in somebody else, but it's so easy, so hard to see it when we're looking in the mirror. You've been to that place. When you've made a decision, and now that you have space and time and context, you look back at your story, and we realize, yeah, I shouldn't have. Why did I do that? Why did I, why did I go there? Why did I say that? Why did I make that decision? Why did I leave home? And this should have been the moment for David where he just stopped in his tracks and said, nope. I I should probably turn around. But look at what David says. He says, all those gathered here Will know that this is the sword and the spirit that the Lord saves him for the battles of the Lord's, and He will give you all into our hands. This is the David that we know and love. This is the David that said to Goliath, "Look, Goliath! You will know today that you will fall." All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or by spirit the Lord saves, but for the battles of the Lord's, and He will give you all into our hands. This is the David that we know and love. This is the David that we that we respect, that, we've, that we that that we've known. This is the David that we're familiar with, right? What happened to that David? Or the David that said this, he says, look, for I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the David that we know and love, but David doesn't respond with that. You know what he responds with? This is what he says. He said, there's none like it. Give it to me. And David literally takes matters into his own Hands And he he tries to do it himself. He tries to fix it. And he's about to regret this decision for the rest of his life. And that lie that he told is going to cost Ahimelech and his family their lives. Give it to me. and takes matters into his own hands. Hamlech says this. He says, there it is. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. You know, the boar that we know, David, He's in a place now he's afraid and abandoned and isolated, and he's getting ready to make this decision. And that boy that we know, like many of us, is getting ready to make this decision. But, you know, it's easy, right? It's easy to trust God when we have nothing to trust him with and nothing to trust him for. Uh, This is something that you already know, but this is some language that I'm putting to it. It's easy to trust God when we have nothing to trust him with and nothing to trust him for, right? Maybe you were in a place in your life when you made a decision to, I'm going to surrender my life to God. I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to, God, here, it's all yours. It's all yours. Maybe you attended a camp when you were younger. Or maybe you, uh, you, you, when you became a Christian when you were 20 years old or or 25 years old, and you started to turn your life over and, and give your life to God, you made a decision to follow God. And it's easy to trust God when you have nothing to trust him with, right? Maybe you're a teenager. Some of you are teens in here. You may say, God, I'm going to surrender my all to you. I'm going to give you all of my life. And it's kind of easy to say, God, God, I'm going to give everything to you, right? Because, I mean, what do you have to give to him? I mean, I mean there's your room, right? It's kind of dirty, but God says, I mean, and there's a car. It's not even yours, but God says, I'll take it, I'll take it. And it's easy to trust God when we have nothing to trust him with and nothing to trust him for. It's easy, but oftentimes when we feel abandoned, isolated, and afraid, what happens is that everything that we know of following God, just throw it out the window, and that's what David is about to do. David takes that sword and that spirit, and he leaves, and he goes to a far country. Uh, he goes to, <laughs> you won't believe this. He goes to the land of the Philistines with the sword of Goliath. And it gets worse. That's a good move, David, but it gets worse. He goes to Gath, and guess who's from Gath? Goliath. Well played, David. He shows up to Gath, and he's, he's there before the tribe of uh, the Philistines and he says, look, I want to join your army. Look, it's a long story. I'm here now. I have this. One. I want to join your army. And they look at him as like, you're David. You killed. Gal- There's no way we're to let you join our army. What are you doing? Get out of here. And David becomes threatened and fear for his life. And so, what actually happens is David, you gotta read the Bible, David starts acting like a madman. He starts like breaking his nails in wood, starts drooling all over himself and speaking gibberish in his different language. And, and they're sitting, he's sitting there before the, uh, the, the tribe, and they're like, this, this is this madman, get him out of here. And so, David leaves and he stays in a cave, and he's there in a cave, and he's kind of having a pity party for himself. And all of a sudden, he goes back to a prophet, and the prophet says to him, Look, man, um, you gotta get this right. And David says, I'm coming to my senses, and so I want to I know what's right for me, what's right for what God wants me to do, make a decision. And so David tries to make a decision to turn around, and but by this time, it's too late. The damage is done. Because when David showed up to Ahimelech, the priest in Nob, there was a fellow there by the name of Duag. Duheg overheard and saw David having a conversation with Ahimelech. And Duheg was uh, a guard in Saul's army. And he overheard the conversation and kind of confused it a little bit enough to kind of get Ahimelech and his family in big trouble. And he goes back to Saul and says, Saul, Saul, this is what happened. I saw David. He's at the city of Nob, And I'm sorry to break this to you. Uh, I'm sorry to break this to you, Saul. But priest Ahimelech, he's sided with David, and he's given him water, and he's given him food, and he's given him provisions, and he's, he's given him a sword, Goliath's sword, and he's sided with your enemy, and Saul is furious, and this is what happens, this is where he picks up, this is what he says, he says this, he says, Ahimelech inquired the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and a sword and a, a sword of Goliath the Philistine. Next verse it says. And the king sent the priest Ahimelech and all the men of his family, who were the priests at Nob, who were the priests at Nob, they all came to the king. So the king sent for all of them to bring them back to, to, to Saul. And he says, This: Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse? All of you, my family, you, uh, you've conspired against me. And he says, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him. The priest is saying, look, uh, is David? I mean, David's your most trusted. Uh, I mean, uh, this is not the first time I've inquired for David. I mean, uh, David's, I, you know David. I love David. I mean, I've inquired for him on the behalf of God so many times. He says this. He says, So that has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today. Next verse. Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David? David, he's the captain of your guard. He's your son-in-law, highly respected in your household. This David, I mean, we all know we love David. This is the David that we know and love. And he's conspired against you? He's like, I don't have a clue what's happening here. Saul, I." I'm innocent. I don't know what's happening. What happens next? Was that the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or, or any of his father's family. For your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. And so Ahimelech is standing there before Saul. And Saul orders his men to slay and to kill Ahimelech. But these guys said, no, no way. Uh, men of war, but we're also holy. We're not going to take his life. We'll go to the ends of the earth with you. We'll, we'll, we'll kill your enemies, but we're not going to take the life of the priest and his family. But Dueg raised his hand and said, I will. And Dueg slayed and killed Ahimelech. His family and every man and woman, and he went even further, he went to the village and he slaughtered every man, man and woman and child and infant and cattle and ox and sheep and goat. And he destroys the whole village. And only a few escape. A little boy is part of Ahimelech's family. He flees and runs to David. And he says, David, 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 you won't believe what happened. And he spills the whole story to David. And our hero is sitting there to listen to the story and he says this. I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Because he made up a decision when he was in a place where he was afraid, where he was angry, where he was lonely, abandoned. He made a decision that tainted his journey from anointing to becoming king and his regret for the rest of his life. And it's these three giants that cause us to forget the defeated giants in our past. And now what we have in our hand is a tainted story of David. So let me ask you a couple questions as we kind of make this applicable for you and I. What is your loneliness, anger, or fear causing you to consider what you have never considered before? What is your loneliness, anger, fear causing you to consider what you have never considered before? What is it that you're considering? Is it abandoning that friend or that family? Is it getting another credit card? Is it taking that another chemical or that another pill is that is that what are you considering? What what is it that you're considering out of loneliness, anger, fear that's causing you to consider that you've never considered before? What is it that you're considering? Right? You spent hours, you, you spent money, you spent time putting down uh, that specific thing and now you're considering it again. What is it that you're considering that you've never considered before? Or how about this one? Who? Who is your loneliness and anger or fear causing you to consider that, you've never, that you shouldn't consider? Who is your loneliness, anger or fear causing you to consider that you know you shouldn't consider? Is it that person? What person are you considering that you know that you shouldn't be considering? How about this one? Who besides you do your considerations put at risk? And I think we all know the answer to this question deep down inside, right? It's the people that you love the most and the people that love you the most. Who besides you do your considerations put at risk? It's the people that you love the most and the people that love you the most. And what happens when we make a decision that we're going to regret and it's going to taint our story for the rest of our lives? Because we made a decision out of anger or isolation, or when we're afraid. What advice would you give somebody? who is you? What advice? Would you give somebody who is you? Because we know what King David would give. Not 22-year-old not David... But 50-year-old David, when he looks back at his story, and what David would say is this, right? He would say this in his story. He says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, right? The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, or this. He says, a stronghold in times of trouble. We don't understand what the language stronghold is, but when people would go to war in the nation, in Israel, when they go to war, they would go to a place... Where they seek refuge, a stronghold to keep them safe, to keep them uh, 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 safe from the battle that's happening. And so David would say, "Hey, the Lord is your refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Not the chemical, not the bottle, not the pill, not the debit card, not the credit card, not the next person, not his wife, not her husband. Nothing will satisfy the the, the thing that you're struggling with today. Look, it's it's not." That what will satisfy and meet the needs that you have is finding refuge in Jesus. Because those who know your name, trust in you for you, Lord, have never Forsaken, and we sung the song a moment ago. God has never forsaken us. David would say, when I thought that you weren't with me, I was mistaken, because you will never forsake us, those who seek you. So find refuge in the one that loves you most that will satisfy, that will fulfill the needs that you have. Because nothing else or no one else could satisfy it besides Jesus. For those of you today, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of here. Maybe your friend brought you because you're visiting on vacation. 2,000 years later, a man... His name is jesus and he looked in the eyes of some overtaxed israelites and full of burden and politically strong people and he said to them he said look i will give you rest i will give you rest take my yoke upon me and i will give you rest and so i say this to you and to those of you who might not know jesus look Jesus is rest. So Jesus, you can find fulfillment and satisfaction. And today, you can have that Jesus. You can have that man who died, who laid down everything for you so that you can have life, so that you can find freedom and acceptance in him. So what advice would you give someone who is you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the Old Testament and the life of David. It might have tainted a story, God, but it can prevent us from tainting ours. I thank you that we can look back at the example that you've left for us in Scripture. And I, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters and my friends here today that they would never, that we together would never make a decision In a place when we're angry or afraid or isolated or abandoned. But that we can find a refuge and strength in the one that loves us the most. Because these three giants have the ability, the potential to cause us to forget how good you've been and the giants that you've defeated through us in the past. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.